So a dramatic intro, here goes. Do you want to like fart as us as our like sign that it's now official? Do you want to just <laughs> No, I think a, I'll do a drum roll. You ready for it? Do you want to let out one more big gas bubble? Because that's pretty much what you are at this point. No, I'm going for I'm going for the desk drum roll. Are you ready for it? I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting top two poker casts, two favorite guests ever, 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 ever. We got the royal man, the man of lineage of the descent from the tribe of the trolls, King Troll Andrew. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, we just got done playing a little bit of Overwatch together. So um, decided to finally turn out a podcast. And I guess Chase has labeled me King Troll since I like to yeah, well, have a little bit of sarcasm. in full troll mode as, as per usual. Yeah. Um, I'm glad people can't access what we do on video games and other stuff. Uh, super super professional from here on out um man it has been a while like i don't even want to know the date of our last poker cast it's been pretty embarrassing (laughs) well i've been turning out the solos bro doing the heavy lifting i know i've been uh i've been on a little bit of a hiatus from everything we've been working a lot at, at commerce and um so this marriage stuff a little bit harder than i thought so we've been trying to spend time with my wife and just kind of do some cool couple activities and Recently found a church and a bunch of other stuff. So it's just been busy. Right. Apologize to everyone out there. Believe Make it or not, put two sinners together and they don't become perfect. You know, like it gets hard. I remember yeah. the first year of our marriages. I mean, it's, it's hard, man. It's, oh, my gosh. This is one thing I feel like a complete moron. So like I always thought that this honeymoon phase like lasted for like multiple years and, and like people <laughs> that were grumpy and older in marriage just got that way slowly. I think it's actually the the inverse. Like a lot of times after 20 years, that's when people are getting better. Uh, the first year is definitely – I don't know. I mean it's got ups and downs but I just – I think I had this like Disney idea that like you, just, you know, once you're married, you put the rings on, magic fairy dust is waved all over it. You know, God blesses it in a way that like there's never an issue but certainly – not the case, but things are going well. I just, uh, I've had to kind of split my time between work and spend a lot of time just hanging out with the family, which has been good. Um, but recently, yeah, you've seen last, your dad a lot lately. Yeah, it's been really, really good. I mean, he's recently retired, but it's kind of cool. In the last couple of weeks, it's taken a turn. I've been able to play poker like four or five times. Um, well, I guess a couple of weeks. You just got, you were just down here in LA. Um, Mm-hmm. you've kind of i mean we're not going to get into too much depth because we are going to line up two poker casts in the next couple of weeks but do you want to kind of give everyone a snapshot of what's been going on with you you've had a pretty good run to 2018 sure. pretty good start i i was planning on doing no traveling this year like <laughs> biggest world series was it i'm gonna go and i wasn't even gonna go much i was gonna go play the main event and come home but i was like on a downer in january and February rolled around and I was like, eh, let's go fire a tournament in Borgata in Atlantic City. Like the night before, my friend told me that the tournament was going $3,500 buy in WPT. And I was like, oh, you know what? If I wake up early tomorrow, I'll go. I woke up like crack dawn, drove out to uh, Borgata and managed to make a deep run there. And then a couple weeks later, I was talking to you and I'm like, oh, I kind of kind of want to go visit the Drew Meister and the LAPC is always, always fun to go to. So I was like, ah, you know what? I'll go to LA, visit Drew and maybe play a tournament and sure enough, make a deep run that. So I'm just a tournament professional back to my old oh ways. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, how nice must it be, right? Everyone that you can just like be like, you know what? I just I want to put myself into a ten thousand dollar buy in and visit a friend. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into too much. Plus, we're going to talk about this a lot more in the upcoming poker cast that we we think we're going to get out about a couple weeks um, behind this one, maybe a week to two. Um, Chase also flew out here in hopes to play. We had a really really big game, a uh, uh, 400. Uh, no limit game. And I was you know, on the list, ninth on the list. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we're not going to get into that too much. We're just going to tease it. But uh, we definitely had uh, we had a, a guy who had come in and was losing six figures, even seven figures. Um, there was a couple million dollars on the table. So stay tuned for that. That's not this week or this poker cast. That's next poker cast. But we actually have a lot of content. We're really really excited to get to it today. Chase, you want to kind of go over uh, a little roadmap of what we're going to be getting into? Besides how much of a troll I am. <laughs> uh, yes, troll. Troll son, I will. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Borgata trip that I took. Uh, a little bit about that, how the run went, uh, just a couple spots we got in. I'll uh, we'll talk about a floor call from uh, Mos Eisley, our favorite planet to go to for a drink. <laughs> and we're going to do talk about a couple emails that we got. One very old email that I promised that we'd get to once we got the King Troll on the, on the pod. And a couple, uh, couple interactions from my Instagram fam. And uh, we'll wrap it up and save the LA part for next time. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, we it's certainly been too long. I really apologize to everyone that I made you listen to an hour continuous of Chase monologuing, but I, I think yeah. he ended up doing pretty I, well. I pulled it off. Yeah, oh, he ended up. Not I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so let's let's just jump right into it. So, um, you know, I know that you've started off this year on a little bit of a downer in cash and that, you know, I was actually worried a little bit. I mean, we hadn't been as friends. We hadn't been talking as much as we sometimes and usually do. Both been really busy. But I know that what was a little bit concerning for me is you had kind of lost the drive to play as much, you know, and that was probably what, like early February. You were kind of very. Yeah, like think, towards the end of January, early February. Yeah. I mean, another thing, I don't know if you want to speak to this, um, but you were like trying to quit smoking. Uh, I was really impressed. You were actually, you've been a little bit more focused on your health. You want to talk us through like where your mind oh, was at, and update on how that's yeah. been going. I've been very convicted lately about uh, my health and how my selfish short-sighted decisions like have a ripple effect and affect the people that I love the most, like my wife, my future kids, like the legacy that I want to leave, the the example that I want to leave for them. So like, I don't know, the Lord was just working in me to convict me of take care of my health, smoking, get more exercise, just like generally being a good steward of my body. So I was doing that and like, um, you know, I have some success in that, but man, quitting smoking is hard. Uh, I've yeah. tried it many times and never really had success. So, I mean, still, I, I'm not out of the woods by any means, uh, doing better. And I'm hoping that it stays, you know, I'm hoping that I can have complete freedom from it, but that stuff like that, that from your life affects you on the poker table. I mean, that that's just part of it, man. You can't, there's no like clear separation as much as you try to leave your frustrations at home and then your poker frustrations at the table. Like there is some bleed over. So I'm sure that had something to do with it, but I was also just like not playing my best and have been lacking uh, study time lately. So it was, it was a lot of things and I was just not motivated to play much. I was on like a prolonged, 
probably like 35k downer. So yeah. Uh, so what that meant though, was that when I heard about the tournament at the Borgata, I was like, really my mentality was I just want to do like, I want to enjoy playing poker again. I just want to do what sounds fun. So that meant when I was playing cash, I was like, okay, if I want to play them, hold them today, I'll play, even though like the no limit game might be better or vice versa. Hmm. And when I heard about the tournament, I was like, wow, it sounds fun. A little road trip to Borgata. So sure enough, I rolled over there. Woke up super early, drove like three and a half hours and played a tournament all day. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, when you're speaking about the uh, kind of the inner relationship between, you know, taking care of our bodies and even just simply how that affects people in poker. Like, it's crazy because I see that there's some of the, the it's mainly the newer generation of poker that are disciplined Nazis that are like so good about like eating healthy, like even stretching, like when they take breaks or even like. Some of them, I've seen people do like push-ups and squats and just be like crazy about it. I just, I think it's so hard. Like I've certainly, I've struggled with my weight through the years and you knew knew me when I was like almost, gosh, at one point in time in my life, I was living so unhealthy with smoking, drinking, a bunch of other stuff. I was about 315 pounds and lost about a hundred pounds. Like when I was in my twenties, almost 10 years ago, but I just find it so hard to maintain with poker. Um, But we'll we'll definitely have to kind of, I think that's an interesting thing. I didn't even plan to bring up but we'll have to track with you and and you know hopefully through the poker cast we can hold you accountable a little bit because it is you know your energy level is important um certainly and uh it affects your mentality when you're getting sleepy and just making good decisions but but i definitely noticed you were grumpy leading up to right before you you played borgata i was like give you a phone call and you were not your usual jovial self so it was a, a little bit off uh, yeah i was like i was in a funk i was not just it wasn't just like i'm running bad i'm kind of annoyed i was definitely in like a bigger than poker kind of funk kind of a life well it was certainly you were adjusting to to tara going back to work uh or going i'm sorry not going back but landing a job which has been a positive thing for your family but at the same time like it's just it's funny how um you know you're you're in this constant state of where you need to play poker to make money to live but you've got these external pressures that are very real that still, you know, affect you, but it's, it's fortunate your bankrolls at a spot where for the most part, you know, you can do what you said you did, which is, you know, if you feel like you're in a, a mode where limit holdems sounds like a more fun and splash some chips around, you know, you can do that. And I think that that probably allows you to sustain, sustain yourself until you were able to plug yourself into this Borgata tournament. Yeah. And even just uh, taking a couple of days off here and there, if I just really, really wasn't in the mood to play at all, uh, but I do try to, I, you know, I, you still got to put in the hours and try to play through it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing like a, uh, big deep tournament run though, to get you out of a rut. Yeah. So, sure. you, so you, you enter this tournament cause by the grace of God, you end up waking early the one day out of the entire calendar year. <laughs> you're actually like, well, I'm usually like I'm West coast time. I'm calling you at like noon and I know you're sleeping most, most days. So somehow you wake up on time. You enter into the tournament of Borgata, which happens to be like their main event, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got a really good yep. structure. Um, and walk us through, I don't know how much you remember. It's been about a month, but like what, uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, did day you- one was day one was pretty lame. I, I was actually just like pretty card dead all day and I just like plugged around. But, you know, in my former days, I I mean, even in my current day sometimes too, I probably just would have like punted a buy-in and bought back in because it was unlimited re-entry. But I was like, you know, like I I came – luckily I was motivated. I was like, yeah, I came here to have a good time and have fun playing. And I just like 
ground grinded it out till the end of the day and you start with 30k in chips and i think i bagged like 39,000 it was some measly amount but i made it to the end of the day and i came back for day two like again i woke up at like 7 a.m it was ridiculous but i came back (laughs) for day two and unbagged my chips and like snap heater i just i just ran that 39,000 to like first break of day two i think i had like 180 200 yeah you were at a massive amount i know at some point in the in the tournament yeah and i it just took off from there and i kept uh kept coasting and gosh it wasn't until we got down to probably like the final three or four tables that i remember i was uh sitting next to my buddy adam shout out to adam if he listens to the pod i have no idea if he does but i looked over and i'm like bro when you sit back and think about it there's like 27 players left in first place is $600,000. And he looked over at me. He's like, I know, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's cool. So it was fun. Have, it was fun. That you still have those moments. Isn't it? Isn't it it's still, I mean, you've had a lot of success in the last year and a half, two years, uh, you know, your bracelet ship and everything, but isn't it kind of cool to still have those moments where you're just in awe of what you're doing? Like, Oh, absolutely. I think that's why, tournaments are kind of they can be so fun because you get in these spots that like the dream is still alive the poker dream of just like running up a huge bankroll and crushing it for going on this huge heater like in cash games it's not quite as live as it used to be honestly especially online but that dream is like still alive in tournaments you can run good in a tournament and all of a sudden you'd never play i mean like if you compare the like, okay, we're playing 10K, 20K blinds, but like in real world value, we're probably playing like a 200, 400 no limit game at that point, which is, you know, just kind of nuts when you sign up for this tournament. Yeah, it's pretty. You don't think that's going to happen. It's pretty silly. I remember when uh, when we used to look at like just the old uh, old tracking tools they used to have, like Shark Scope and stuff when you used to play MTTs, where you see all these like small squiggly lines and you see this like bink. And there's like this straight arrow to the moon and then like more squiggly lines or slight down. And that's a great thing about MTTs, uh, you know, um, about these larger tournaments that you can just get um, huge returns on your buy-in and 3,500. I mean, definitely. What was the, what was the, um, how many entrants were in that? Do you remember roughly? There was a little over 1,200 entrants. Wow. It's really big. How, what do yeah, you think of it's, this? It's one of their biggest ones. Because I know that structure is amazing, dude. What, what are they giving you? Hour and a half levels, or so day one starts with I think 40, uh, 60 minute levels. Oh, okay. And then like the last two levels of day one, I think are like seventy five minutes or something like that. And then day two goes to ninety minutes, I mm-hmm. think. And then uh, I think like day three or four, maybe we were 90 minutes throughout. I don't know if it ever went to two hour levels. Oh, and then to actually speak to you guys were using an action clock, right? This was the action clock tournament. Oh yes. I'm a big fan of the action clocks. Yeah. I actually played my first action clock tournament. It was, uh, um, just a small little, uh, late night tournament in, in SoCal. Um, it only had like five tables, 50 to 60 entrants, but I liked it, but I had a problem with the dealers remembering and it was a little bit tilting because a couple of the dealers we had to keep reminding them, prompting them. Did you have any issues with that or was it pretty well um, orchestrated? The staff was pretty well, pretty well trained, pretty ready to do it. Um, you know, you'd have one here or there that they seemed a little green and they'd have a little trouble. But sure. 
for the most part, no issues. I will say that, so just an explanation of how it works. You have a 30 second shot clock and then you get like a limited number of time extensions for another 30 seconds. You're like probably like four to six per day. So, but it, it is shocking how few people even use their time extensions. Like just the presence of a clock makes people automatically play faster. It's it's beautiful. I, I love it. I hope every tournament like goes on day two, you have to use a shot clock or even from day one if you can. Yeah, I, I really don't see a huge downside to it because as long as there's, um, from a facilitation standpoint, provided that you're getting enough time extensions, like for instance, a ridiculous example would be if you just got one a day. I mean, that's not really fair. I don't think for like large buy in right. poker, but if you have, if you find that sweet spot, maybe it's like three or four, um, or however many it might be, depending on how long, you know, you're playing. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be good as long as the staff is well-trained and it's executed well. Absolutely. Uh, the only possible hurdle is logistically, like they have to have this huge, uh, tablet, on the table, like where the dealer would usually have their tray of chips. They instead had this huge tablet. So like right. just getting enough for all the tables, like it wasn't feasible on day one, but they pulled it out. I think. Yeah. And I mean, day two or three. the other thing that I would look into is that if, I mean, the way the casino industry works is a lot of those things are on lease. I mean, everyone, they patent their little idea and they, they lease it back to the casinos. I mean, the casinos most of the time are not purchasing this equipment, especially because you got to think about, I mean, Borgata throws a huge tournament series, maybe a couple times a year, I would assume. So they're not going to use it on a weekly basis. I would assume. So, um, I think these were like WPT specific. Yeah. So just when WPT is there, they probably bring it probably. So as long as it's not, uh, as long as they're not using, they're not passing that cost along and like increasing the rake a little bit, you know, on the tournament. But uh, I, I think that the rake for tournaments, large buy-ins pretty standard and they're not going to, they're not going to touch that, but yeah, I think it's really good. So, so, but, but back to the, the tournament. So you're, I, I know I remember just that cause you commented how you really like the action clock. Cause you've, I feel like for you in particular, um, you, you usually are planning like if you're the aggressor, you're planning multiple streets ahead, or you're trying to. Um, certain other people are doing the same thing, but I, I I think that you know playing with you and watching you play, thirty seconds is usually sufficient unless it's really a tough spot. And I think that a couple time extensions are totally fine, which is great because some of these players they're just used to playing so slow and it's so frustrating and annoying. Totally, I I thrive on that for sure on the on the shot clock because. I, I have an online background, so like I'm very quick thinker and also just like, I mean, I've been lazy about studying lately, but for the most part, I have my ranges pretty well hammered down, like for better or worse, you know, like sometimes I'm sure my ranges are off and I'm just like non-thinking, making mistakes, but like I range construct pretty quickly on the fly and just kind of like naturally in flow. I think I do it pretty well. Uh, and one thing about this tournament, like I went to the Borgata to have fun. So like I was very chatty. I was talking to people at my table and like being able to table talk with the shot clock. I think that like, I mean, I'm no Phil help me if like table talk master, but I think it really screwed people up. Did you just say like trying to talk back to me? Phil help me with his table talk master. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Oh, you I can't wait to get to the LAPC episode oh, where stop. I played probably a couple hours with Philly stop. boy. Stop. Philly boy. I'm right. playing cash game with him in a couple weeks. Oh, I like playing with Phil. He's fun. He, I think, you know, like what I saw of him, um, 
early to mid stage of the tournament, I think he's pretty good natured, but I think he gets, I mean, my impression, uh, and I'm not a poker aficionado, a fanboy, but I think he, you know, like when he's like close to when he got down close to the bubble and he ended up, uh, or when he's on the final table, I think he gets too intense. And I think he's like borderline abusive and like absurd, but I agree. Like uh, <laughs> it, it actually becomes like a, a battle of egos once he's deep in a tournament right. and he like gets all all heady about just yeah. yeah. But, yeah but I, I think agree. Like, what I saw from your Instagram. So if anyone wants to, why don't you plug your Instagram right now? Because you still have sure, you still sure. some good stuff on it. Like the little sound bites of him, really really funny. Like uh, uh, what's your Instagram? I Chase? wish I would have caught the good Instagram dot com slash Chase Bianchi, aka the King. I'm just kidding. I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> I didn't even catch the really juicy ones where Phil went on this like one minute monologue uh, right after we sat down. And uh, like after the monologue was over, I was like, oh my gosh, I should have recorded that. It was, I mean, Phil is just like the pro of monologues. He just can go on and on. It, it was beautiful. I didn't do it justice, but there are, there are a few uh, like uh, 20 to 40 second sound bites on my Instagram. You know, you know, the best thing is that like, I just, I cannot tell if there's any sarcasm within that man. So like, I don't know if he like is trolling everyone and he's really the king troll or if he's like completely in his mind, deadpan serious about everything he says. Cause he says some ridiculous, like just, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's mostly he actually believes everything he says with a little bit of like, he gets overly excited and exaggerates a little bit and he like knows it, but then he's like stubborn and won't, won't say yeah, that. He'll, he'll just, yeah, like some of his claims are just absurd. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> well, we're, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of derailed. Anyway, let's go back to the board. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have, them. have certainly noticed. And, you know, like we played, we splashed around a little bit in some limit hold'em games in, in California together for um, a catch up. And I mean, if you guys haven't seen Chase play, I mean, I've I've been around people in casinos, uh, dealt, and gosh, sixteen years of my life now. Chase really does have a good balance of good natured fun, um, funny mannerisms, and just like a couple quips here and there. That what's great about it is if you're overly serious and just an a hole poker player, it's tilting. But if you like have, <laughs> but if you're, sure right, is. like I mean, you I'm sure you've got shot those glares from other pros that are like seriously just like. <laughs> sitting there like playing in their mind like they're, they they hate you they like you, you're totally the guy with like the graphics print tee the beard like the monster energy drink you look like i mean if you would wear flannel you kind of look like a truck driver or a hobo that like wandered his way in on like off of uh i don't know agriculture money and just like stumbled your way into like the top 10 percent it, it's funny to you because sometimes <laughs> i i get uh, I get so much venom for some of the like really innocent things that I think I say. Like, I, it was probably like a month or two ago. I was playing tournament locally, and this guy like bets the river, and I like I had an insta call hand. I just had like top pair that I'm always bluff catching, and he bets the river, and I instantly go, "I'll call that bluff." And he had a bluff, and he just like <laughs> got super tilted about it. He was a reg, you know, and I was just like. Bro, I mean, it's a, like a stupid one-liner that I have. Why are you actually mad about it? It's, it's funny because anyone that knows Chase knows that he's certainly uh, in poker and outside of poker good-natured. And you kind of no filter a little bit, but you're kind of just a huge walking man teddy bear that doesn't really have – like you don't ever mean people harm. You're just not a mean person. But some of the stuff that you just naturally say is just – no filter is just funny. <laughs> 
Um, so I, I definitely can like, and the great thing is I can, I can read between the lines and I definitely know, and you've caught on that you accidentally tilt people like, Oh yeah. And so at this Borgata event, we're, we're at the final table. And when we were, when we were at two tables, I was playing with the guy who ends up winning it. So tilted about this, by the way. So this guy, I've been playing with him. He's like recreational ish. I mean, he plays like recreational, but says he's like semi pro or whatever. But so I'm playing with this guy and I'm just like owning him. I'm like verbally just like jabbing with him because he's got a big ego and he doesn't like to be embarrassed. And I'm like, I'm joking around, but he's taking it very seriously. So like I'm getting under this guy's skin. It's it's I'm having a good time, but not like I'm not being mean about it, but I'm just having fun. And so we get to the final table and check this hand history. It goes like early position opens. This guy calls in middle position. And I three bet with ace king from late position and the early position guy folds and this guy stuffs in like 42 big or 45 big blinds or something, something ridiculous. So he just like calls an open and then just like back rips and into my three bet range. <laughs> and like, of course I call off with ace king and he's got sixes and he just like wins an absurdly big flip for a hundred big blinds. And I'm like, what is life? I can't, I just have pocket jacks right here. Like, come on. So I tilted this guy into owning me in a flip. I guess that's, that's what I get. It's so funny. But I think that that, that's another thing we talked about. And we're definitely uh, teasing the heck out of the the other uh, poker cast we're going to have about LA, you know, even in coming up to the big game uh, that you were going to try to angle to, to get involved in the 100, 200, 400, no limit game here. Um, I think you've got a certain affable likableness that like the other part of it is. So I think you, you people that take the game way too seriously definitely can find you as a nuisance, just flat out annoying, especially when you're running good and like all happy. But on the other end, <laughs> like, cause you've got this smugness about you. That's kind of like obnoxious, but I, you know, like it's good natured, but I think that like the, the live ones, they love playing against you. Because they like beating you. Yeah. you definitely, uh, I don't know. There's, I mean, you don't actually get mad, but, you know, you give a reaction. I, I love getting, like, a fun but competitive atmosphere. Like, I love, like, playing with the whales and I'll, like, you know, I'll feel them out with some, like, really soft stuff. And, like, but then once I see they're a little competitive, you know, I'll, like, throw in a little jab here or there. <laughs> like, you know, try to – and then I give them good action, too. That's the thing, too. I, like, if – if you're a recreational player coming to have fun, like I'm going to give you action because I want you to have a good time. I want to gamble it up with you, which is totally. And so I create this like, give, give example this that you beautiful. gave me about the the whale in one of your games. Um, remember when you were the big blind? Uh, remind oh, okay. me. Okay, so totally so like he'll, he'll raise, he'll raise like ten. I think you were saying like he'll like ten exit, and everyone oh. will fold. Like all the nitty rags will fold, <laughs> and he'll be like, "Chase, chase," and you'll be like, "Do you want me to call?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, call." And he'll just be like, "Okay," and just call dark. And like he'll shout <laughs> yeah. money in. Yes. So we're playing with like a straddle and stuff, and you know the, he he opens like eight x from early position, and I have like king six offsuit in the small <laughs> blind, and he's like, "Chase, get in there, get in there." So like, of course I fling in a call. The guy takes the worst of it every time. I can give him the worst of it like once in a blue moon. It's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and of course I just like check flop. And he bets, and I just show him the king six off, and he's like, "Oh, you're in there with that." You know, like, uh, As you're stacking him, I'm like, "Yeah, real funny, buddy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stack you in three hands. Just enjoy it right now." You know, like stuff like that. I, I, I like to have a good time when I play. Some, some people it gets on their nerves. But. Well, that's the other thing I, I think is that like 
I just don't understand how so many people play poker semi-professionally or legitimately professionally and seem miserable. Like it's, it's really rare and kind of cool to see people that enjoy it, which is why, you know, kind of full circle. It was very disconcerting for me when I was like, man, you just seem pretty life miserable. And granted it didn't last long. Cause you, you, uh, you hit your run goods again, which is no surprise to most of us that, that know you at all. It's like, Oh, weird. Chase just starts binking things. Um, but uh yeah uh so you want to walk us through a little bit more borgata i mean we're kind of jumping around here but um uh yeah i mean kind of a cue the violin ending um yeah lost that big flip with ace king to sixes um i lost another one with like pocket jacks against guy flopped sat it was kind of a whatever spot board ran out where i kind of had to call and then shoved ace jack suited into Joe McKeon wakes up with aces. Like, run better, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was it. That was the GG. I went in, like, probably third in chips to the uh, nine-handed final table and ended up getting seventh for, I mean, for 106,000. I'm not complaining. But when you go into the final table with a good stack, it's a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially because I think that there were definitely some some spots on that final table where, I mean, you felt, I mean, you've got some accomplished players like Joe McKeenan, but there were definitely some people who you thought maybe um, were fortunate to make it to the final table. I guess we'd be putting it mild, right? Sure. Yeah, I think that's uh, appropriate jargon. <laughs> um, nevertheless, I mean, that's still, I mean, the cool thing is that can re-energize you. And that's that's the one thing I find about poker that's great is, you know, there's different variations of it. Like last night, um, I had a couple of good sessions at 8.16, you know, one uh, one huge amounts uh, for the game, you know, won like four to five racks a couple times this week. And then uh, last night I go in, I play a couple hands at 300 No Limit at uh, Hawaiian Gardens, one of the neighboring casinos. Um, the, their remodel is gorgeous. Um, anyways, they're getting a lot of business. So I play their 300 No Limit uh, while I'm waiting for a seat in 8.16, win a little bit. Um, and then play 16 and I, I start off winning and then a couple people that had been part of, uh, the days that I'd been winning some regs, they were pretty bad regs, but they just started owning me. They just started absolutely owning me and enjoying it. And I was getting frustrated. So, so I was like, Oh, okay. I, I was down a little bit and I cashed out and then I heard them announce that 13 card, um, Chinese poker, which is something I love very much. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let me see how big they're playing. And I'm used to like playing with other traditional poker players like uh, Texas Hold'em and PLO players. So I go over and Hawaiian Gardens, they have a huge, they call it California or Blackjack table game section that's like massive. Just like if you guys have ever been to like Commerce or some of the other California casinos. And in it, they have a separate section that's dedicated to Chinese poker. And it's the old school, not pineapple. You get dealt 13 cards, you make a five card hand. That's better than the other five card hand. That's better than the three card hand. Um, and a planet, and and I didn't understand the score. Like permanent permanent fantasy land for those of you youngsters yeah. out there. And so, like, I'm playing it, and they're telling me what to pay. And I know that I'm in a I know that I'm in a good game, and I'm the thing making it good when I'm just turning over my hand, and they're just like, "Oh, you owe me three chips," because it, it was a five it was five dollar <laughs> point game. And I thought based on the scoring that you can either win all three hands, or you can win two out of three or you can lose two out of three um, or you can lose all three, obviously. So I thought it was going to be like a five to $20 game. Anyways, it was much, 
a much larger game than I expected. But long story short, I end, I end up uh, I end up getting quad aces, which is a bonus because every ace you get dealt is a bonus one point. Quad threes in the middle. Naturally, Naturally I got quad aces, quad threes, and king high. I made a guy like like who's like slurping noodles into his mouth, like literally almost fall out of his chair. And uh, and we're playing <laughs> a nickel game, and I stack three people, and I actually like. I shorted myself because I didn't. I didn't have enough. I posted it on my Instagram. It's pretty, pretty absurd. Um, but I mean, I think you know. Back to the main point is that when we're running bad, or I find when you are just like um, really frustrated, I've always found it therapeutic to to play a different version of poker. No, nothing you're going to get yourself bankrolled, injured at, or something. But like, um, or hamstrung. But you know, like when I run really bad, like I, I love to like jump in a tournament. Uh, you know, or vice versa. I think it's just, it's for me, it seems healthy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes I'll, I'll fire up online poker and just play like some $20 tournaments or even cash games online that are relatively small compared to my live cash games. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot of options and we've talked about it before. You know, if, if you can sacrifice a little hourly and enjoy your job a little more, like maybe that's worth it for you. I don't know. It's, it's a personal thing, but I think long run job fulfillment, enjoyment is, it has some value. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and I mean, like, and, and truthfully though, um, with all due respect to the position you're in is, is you're in a pretty lofty position running, you know, well and, and banking off some bigger tournaments, which is, which is a great thing. I mean, but it's just something that you're now afforded, um, which is you're able to have that, you know, really good game selection. I mean, Realistically, I mean, you flew out here to play maybe one of the biggest games in the country, <laughs> which is pretty awesome that you were going to short stack it or yeah. sit, you know, not too deep. But um, that game was insane. Like 100, 200, 400 blinds. I was going to buy in 40K. Yeah, you're, and you were going to be 40,000. And, and you were certainly going to be the short stack. It's like um, It's crazy, man. Um, game was stupid big. Are you ready? You want to cue the music? Uh, yeah, let's cue it up. Uh, you know, I think. <laughs> I think we have a different band on tonight. I think I'm going to call an audible because I'm thinking of a couple of floor calls that were at Borgata that I actually want to get your mm-hmm. input on. Okay. So do you want to on the fly? Do you want to go to the main one that we had dialed up or do you want to, do you want to just hit me with a couple of random stuff? I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with these two random ones that were from Borgata that I totally forgot okay. about. So first one, this was actually on day one of the tournament. Ooh, I think tournament I'm not very strong so, with anymore, but I'll give you a, I'll, uh, that's okay. I mean, wanna, I'll just give you an opinion. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, you know, we're at the cantina. We're having, we're having a couple, uh, like glow in the dark drinks. It's fine. Yeah. So this happens on day one. Um, long story short, I bet the river player, player a calls with a five K chip. So I bet like 4,000, he calls with a five K chip. The dealer, gives him a thousand change and pushes the pot to me. Right now I'm not really paying a whole lot of attention. I'm throwing my cards in, in the middle of whatever. And I get the pot and I stack my chips and count down my stack. And this is like, as, as she's starting to shuffle for the next hand, I'm like, huh? And a player across the table from me says, was that pot right? And I was like, was that pot right dealing? She's like, very sure it was right. So anyway, like the next hand, we get into the next hand and the next hand finishes. And I'm like, dealer, I think you shorted with a pot 5k. Like 
I don't think he grabbed his 5K chip when he called. So anyway, Floor gets called over. Floor comes over. Floor, here's what happened. We think the pot was short from two hands ago. What do you do, Floor? Um, you're going to have to, a lot of times in that situation, you're going to have to reconstruct it as best you can because there's immediate implications. Like it's not fair to the other players that are, that are like bystanders to have it slow down the tournament and obviously limit their hands. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, you know, granted, I'm not like a tournament floor, like a WPT level, I'm more cash game, but what I would assume they would do is they're going to have to render a decision on the spot to like move the game along because they can't have the luxury going to surveillance and like escrowing chips like you could in a cash game. Um, so they're going to have to try to reconstruct it as fast as they can based on a combination of what you and the other player agree to with the dealer mediating. So they're going to have to be like, okay, it was a thousand preflop. Everyone agrees. Okay. And they're going to have to like reconstruct it. If you have the chips in front of you, if you've absorbed them into your stack, um, what I would say is, something that we do even in cash games is we'd probably say, I'm sorry, actions have been accepted. Um, pretty much you've accepted the result of the hand and we're going to have to move forward. Even if an error was made, especially in a tournament, because the question is, and I hear this all the time from cash game players. Like someone will say like, Oh, I think, you know, I think you had, he, you had a pair or this comes up frequently, like Omaha where there's, or like big O now five card Omaha where people are just like tabling their hands. They'll be like, oh, I think two hands ago you had like a low as well and you didn't even get whatever. There has to be a point at which too much further action has processed for us to really reconstruct something. Um, sure. And usually I would think once we have like one hand space in between, if it's not brought up in a timely fashion, um, unless it's like a, a game integrity, like a cheating issue or something of that nature, if it's just a discrepancy, we kind of have to. Aha. We kind of have to say we're so, going to move on. I'm, I'm glad you went there. So, results. Pr first results are the walking floor comes up and he says, uh, "Hand has already been played. We can't go back to a previous hand to adjust a pot size. It's too late. The dealer thinks the pot was correct. There's nothing we can do." Now, okay, you know that happens, and I'm like, you know, I I'm going to appeal this to the tournament director. So I go to the tournament really director quick, and now put really on the quick. tournament director. Did they, did they interrupt play for very long for this? Or he just comes over, says that after about 20 seconds? No, this is like 15, 15 okay, so seconds, they, 20 seconds. You guys are continually dealt hands while you're you're about to go to the tournament director. Okay, yeah, okay yeah. go ahead, continue. Right. So yeah, I, I like fold my hand and I go to the tournament director. And so now put on your tournament director hat. I'm talking to the tournament director. I lay out, this is what happened. And here's the thing. He, he gives me the same, you know, we can't do anything. Another hand's been played. But then I say to him, but I don't think it's a matter of the popping incorrect. I think the player stole chips from me because he put out a chip to call. And I think he stole that chip out of the pot. Like he took it out of the pot before the dealer could take it in the pot. So I don't think it's a matter of the pot being incorrect. I right. Think what you're bringing up is a game integrity issue, which any, uh, you know, and this is, and certainly not trying to, disrespect Borgata not knowing like what they ruled but what I would always do in that position is say look anytime someone brings up a game integrity issue even if it's something like like we have paranoid cash game players they're like dealer you're putting the cards on the bottom of the muck and picking up the muck so people can see my cards the surveillance is there for a reason and and we should investigate that because if there's any impropriety on the staff like you're you aren't even accusing that you're accusing the other player of like pulling an angle um, 
he absolutely, in my opinion, should check surveillance or have surveillance check. And he should also just check for safekeeping to make sure the dealer's not colluding. You know, I, th- I think that that's, that's what, I, what I would have done in that situation more than likely to say, look, Chase, like I understand what you're saying. Um, uh, the decision is the decision. I'm not going to alter it. I don't have any reason to do that. Secondly, if you believe this to be true, why did you wait a hand or two to bring it up? Like if you believe there's an integrity issue that he stole a chip out of the pot, why was that not the first thing that was, you know, why didn't you stop the game? Call the Dude, floor. This is like creepy. This is like your answer to the first one of the first floor was like dead on. And this, he brought this exact same thing up to me. And I told him, I said, you know, I dragged in a pot. There's a lot going on. And then I count my stack and I'm like, hundred percent sure I'm missing an oversized chip. I brought it up like towards the end of the hand. And then, you know, while the next hand is going on, I'm like asking the dealer, you know, I'm like I brought these up pretty quick. So anyway, I don't want to make this go on too long, but you nailed it. So he actually did a camera review. He, he let the initial call stand, but he said, I'm going to do a camera review just for the game integrity. If he stole from you, I want to know about it. So they go to a camera and the guy, I mean, it, it looks pretty malicious. He the chip is out there. The dealer doesn't pull it in very fast, and he takes the chip. Well, that, that's what you were told. So you obviously were shown the camera review. That's what, that's what, no, that's I wasn't what you shown communicated. This is what the sure, TV sure. told me. And so what happened was, by the way, I just swept this guy being all in like four times. Uh, he never got called, luckily, but he like shoved it and never got called. But I ended up getting a 5K chip uh, handed to me, and that was the end of it. Uh, okay, so that's a, a rare situation. I think it's completely up to the TD discretion, but um, it is delicate. But I would actually think that if if there's enough visual evidence to to say emphatically like that this guy is doing it on purpose, he should be removed from play, not refunded. I mean, I mean, realistically, right? I think it was. I, yeah, I think it was quite close. Like I, I talked to him privately a little bit and he was like you know it, it it looked pretty bad for him but he wasn't entirely sure so that was the decision well, and, came plus to. I'll, and i'll just say this the last time one thing that a lot of people don't understand um when you feel like you're wronged you will never see a camera in a casino but you always have an, an external jurisdiction that you can go to every casino in america and, and almost worldwide is subject to state federal Canada, it's provincial regulations or regulatory body. So like usually Department of Justice, they can go in and check the cameras. So if you think you're absolutely getting screwed in a pot, you can always say, hey, you know what? Like you guys need to get some resolution. I know you won't let me see the cameras, but I'm certain that like this guy palmed chips in an all in like would be an example. And if if you don't get a response and if no one there's like, ha ha ha, well, you know, we're not checking into it. We know Paul. Paul never does that. And if you're sure you saw that, you can always Google it online. And in any any state in America, you can find someone to complain to. And then they, as a third party, neutrally will come in within the next week and review the tapes. Um, and they can get you a conclusion. And it gives you more leverage. Um, but that that's good. I mean, that's certainly, I think, sounds like it was handled properly. It's just hard because, you know, visually... It's, it's it's sometimes even as someone I've reviewed the cameras, you know, it's part of my job. It's hard to tell intent, you know, unless it's really, really blatant. Yep. Well, good, man. You like almost we've never talked about this and you had the exact responses of both the floors. So get on you, bro. I guess <laughs> keep you around. Yeah. 
Well, hey, thank you. It made me feel really good that you put me on the spot there with no prep time at all. I'm glad I'm glad I call you an hour or two before these things to prep. In the, in the future, I'm just going to eat like a Philly cheesesteak and just listen to you talk to yourself. Uh, no, that's that. No, that was a, that was right. a good one. Shall we uh, your readers and let's get out of this cantina? Sure. Um, all right. So let's transport back to the real world. You want to get into a couple of the emails that we've got? Let's do it. The first one was for you. Do you have it pulled up? And um, I don't have it? it pulled up, but I know that. Do you want to read some of the particular verbiage, or I have an idea of like kind of? Um, sure. This is from Robert D. Uh, he was a dealer of commerce, and stealing at commerce was some of the worst working experiences of his life. Dealers treated badly and appalling. Cursed at everything in the book. He, racial slurs. Uh, but the worst part was lack of support by the floor staff. Um, so pretty much he's asking, uh, and he says players were ke- treated with kid gloves. Um, so in, at the end of all of his shifts, he has to drop an envelope with tips for the floors. Um, so he he's just going on about his woes of working well, in, I, I remember the, at the, the email. Congress, I mean, he, totally he carefully wrote it, and it was um, – quite lengthy so um I'll, I'll try to cover as much of that as i can first of all the deal yeah he's very much not whining he's he's just wants to know have things changed what's it like working there now yeah and I, th- I think it's um i can't remember the time frame if it'd been five years 10 years 15 years but commerce for those of you that don't know um commerce has been in business for like 32 33 years um and actually no it's longer than that 1983 but anyways um they were around as one of the first poker houses back before like Hold'em was even maybe even invented or mainstream or even on the West coast. I mean, it was just lo- a low ball Pangini and a bunch of games that are largely like almost gone. Pangini um, table number yeah. two. Uh, no <laughs> pants, super pan nine. It's like a variation of it's, it's a very, I mean, it's a low skill game, like very similar to blackjack. Um, but it's like blackjack against other players with draw cards and Baccarat mixed in. It's really weird. But long story short, um, I think that I'm going to speak to his email as, as in a broader context, bigger than commerce. Southern California has had a problem. Um, bicycle predated commerce. Commerce and bicycle are like five miles apart. Um, bicycle club, commerce, uh, Hawaiian Gardens. I don't know when they were open, but they probably 90s or even earlier. Um, there's been Larry Flint's Hustler Club. You know, there's a bunch of them that are in this hub of Los Angeles. I mean, at any given time on a Friday night, I'm going to estimate that there's probably like 300 to 350 live poker tables if you condense them all together across Southern LA um, with probably you know tons more of private cash games. They're like medium to large stakes. Um, so poker has been relevant in California for decades. A lot of the way that they used to let players treat the staff was just abhorrent. Like there's just, there's no apologies. There's no, there's no, it wasn't okay. And when I got to commerce about three years ago, they were very much, uh, an establishment that was preaching to us, um, that they wanted to change. And, and it's hard because you have longstanding management. A lot of the managers have been there 20, 30 years. It's the longest tenured casino I've ever worked in. People, the average age um, or length of work is like 15 plus years. Um, so a lot of people had the older mentality. And 
And it's hard because, and again, I'm try, not trying to say in any way, shape, or form that this is okay, but the commerce perspective as a facility is this, is that to support these large games, a lot of times one one loose, bad live player produces two or three games when you're talking the largest stake games in the world. So in general, in these high limit games, they'd kind of let these players get away with anything. Like the stories are, are awful of like, you know, someone throwing cards and not accidentally throw them a little bit hard and like grazing against the dealer's wrist or something like literally throwing them at a dealer's face, like when they missed, you know, when they lost a pot or whatever. Um, and then like just being sent home for the day, being brought back, like racial slurs, all of that. So what happens over time is a lot of these players that once upon a time are these high limit, like whales and fish, they lose and they play smaller. So these people that are playing like 100, 200, no limit are now playing five, 10, no limit. And we're treated a certain way. Um, it's certainly a problem that for many years in Southern California, a lot of the poker industry um, floors get tipped. So, I mean, obviously like, let's say you're getting sent home and you're playing a massive game. You're stuck 50,000. If you give a guy a hundred dollars, are you staying in that game? In the past you were, well, commerce started making a lot of a salary. So like, I, I don't get tips um, as a part of my wage um, and tried to turn the tide. I'd say to directly answer your email last two or three years, I've seen a huge change. We still have staff that have been here for a long time that that let abuse go. Um, the player base in general in Southern California, they're just largely tolerant of a lot more abuse. Um, and it's crazy because dealers and players will even talk about some of the big pros, um, named pros, bracelet winners will be like, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like in Vegas, these same people behave like these same, you know, high limit players that like curse like sailors at the dealers you know, and all these other problems when they're in Las Vegas, they, they don't do it because they know Vegas doesn't tolerate it. They come out here to Southern California and commerce had a bad reputation was, and had earned that bad reputation. But I would say in earnest has tried to change that um, to a, to a lesser point you mentioned about like tipping out the floors. I think that there's a misunderstanding there. What California does, and this is standard, at all casinos, every table a dealer deals, they, um, they're recorded like a depending on the game type a dollar or two dollars and it goes into a tip pool that doesn't go to the floor staff um it goes to all the workers that support the dealers so like chip runners porters which are janitors essentially some other ancillary staff um so that is still the same but um i wonder if that might have been no, different I mean, eight or nine years pardon, ago. I, so the hourly floor staff the cfcs the casino floor coordinators they get a part of that too because they're looked at like oh because right. so they're looked at like as a support staff to help facilitate the game um but uh, as to offset like minimum wage being being low in california being expensive and I, and I i personally i mean like i can see how a dealer might not like that but i see i see it as a fine as being completely acceptable but um i think that's a matter of opinion but the abuse has changed i mean Southern California, if you guys haven't played here and you play anywhere else, I i mean, Chase has traveled more than I have. I've played a numer- number of places. I mean, let's say on a scale of one to 10, you get people who are drunk, you get people who are a little bit out of line. A lot of people go to like a three and a four before they're kicked out. Commerce usually and LA usually allows people to get like to a seven or eight. You know, um, I don't know, Chase, do you want to speak to any of your experiences that you've had here? Well, I can definitely attest that commerce... Uh, anywhere in Southern California, the dealer abuse is rampant and it is like next world stuff. I mean, 
just like the lack of humanity that people show to dealers is it's just bizarre. And like, I find myself coming to the defense of dealers way more there than anywhere else. But at the same time, like it's just so common. It's, it's another world. It's definitely a, some kind of like systematic yeah, problem absolutely. that has been part it's of the epidemic. And time. I would say, you know, again, I, I'm not blaming the dealers at all. I have to qualify this, but it adds to the problem when dealers don't self-report because they're used to this system of, well, these players never get kicked out. So if I report, if I could raise my hand and complain that he's saying something nasty about me, he's, he's just going to sit in the game and never tip me again. Cause he's here five days a week. So right. Uh, that's part of it that blew my mind. I'm like, how's this so you, sitting through this? The, the, I just, I, yeah, the it, amount of it's oversight crazy. is not good because you got to understand that every day, Again, these are not excuses. There is no excuse for the way that it's handled. These are explanations. But most of the rooms in California go through the same thing. They go from 5 to 15 tables in the morning to 90 in the evening. And if you're going to have a ratio of one well-trained floor person for every like five games, you can have someone who's within earshot and police the conversations and what's said and how things happen. But you know, a lot of times like someone will say something nasty at a dealer or throw cards at a dealer. And they're someone who's not a known regular. They play once a month and they just grab their chips and they leave. You know, like how, how am I supposed to prevent, you know, uh, by myself, I oversee all of poker operations on day shift. So granted, my shift isn't the busiest, but when I was on swing and graveyard, I mean, I might be overseeing a hundred tables. So I'm dealing with an issue in one side of the room. By the time I responsibly walk over there, might be seven to 10 minutes, like waving through food trays and people saying hi or having complaints to get over there by that time, if that customer has left, I mean, I can do a camera check, but I won't have their name a lot of times. And it's very hard for me to prevent that person from ever coming back if they're not a regular. So it is, it is a problem of a system. It is system, uh, systematic um, in Southern California. And I hope one of the casinos yeah. takes a very, a super strong stance. I mean, we're at commerce. We're working our, our way in that direction. It's being cleaned up, but like I said, I mean, we have a lot of dealers that work there 15, 20 years and they just put their heads down and deal and they, they don't call the floor. And so part of my job is is internally having those conversations with a staff of 500 dealers, letting them know, look, I am going to have your back. I am going to support you, which is something I don't mind doing. It's just hard to, to make sure that all mm-hmm. of my staff supports these dealers when they call because it, all it takes is one time for a dealer to get not backed up and for that player to stay in the game and now like just bear down on that dealer even harder for them to feel like reporting is, is not, you know, the path to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, most of you guys are players treat dealers. Good. Uh, you know, use your discretion on defending dealers. Screw the jerks out there. Grow up. Grow yeah. up. And come out and visit us in Southern California. It's, it's not as bad as it sounds. These are the livest, best games ever. It's just, it is something that needs to be addressed. And, and sure. the industry's working on it. It's it's going to drag itself into the 21st century eventually. <laughs> um, so, the, so the next question I love, uh, it was from one of your buddies, right? Like it's on Instagram. He asked, uh, does your yep. beard <laughs> increase your fold equity? You, you want to get into that a little bit of who asked that? And, and <laughs> a little beard update. It hasn't grown too much. Yeah, yeah, that's my boy Crick City. Shout out to him. Uh, does my beard increase my fold equity? I would have to give a very clear <laughs> no on that. Uh, I would say the beard is a dead giveaway that A, I do not have a blue collar job. Although it is becoming like somewhat acceptable to have face, more facial hair. 
in the corporate world, but it's like a clear giveaway. If, if there's a guy there with a big beard and like a portly figure, probably <laughs> portly not figure. a uh, awesome. blue collar uh, worker. Yeah. That you do have to. <laughs> that you do have to. Right. So like, I mean, I'm, I wear like Star Wars shirts a lot too. I mean, like I just have to scream professional <laughs> I mean, poker player. So uh, I, I imagine if I, I looked at you, I definitely wouldn't think professional poker player. I would, I would think, well, professional I would think you have some, like, I want to know what you do for a living. And I, I would want to like arm wrestle you for that job and, and put professional poker player be on the list. But I would think like, <laughs> I don't know, you give hot air balloon rides or something. Like, I don't know. You're like a professional elephant trainer. Like any of these things, <laughs> yeah. I I actually keep this belly for my balloon yeah. business. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. You see me actually uh, paint on my belly a big ad for it that I yeah I just walk around shirtless sometimes. Oh gosh, it's got to be like looking directly in the sun. No one gets the advertising, <laughs> but they definitely have a bad memory for the rest of the day and see spots. Um, I think we're running a little bit low on time. Uh, I'm really excited about doing the being back on the podcast grind. I think I'm able to commit to this a little bit better. I'm starting to play again, which helps. And, and you know, you're taking my advice. I always tell you, look, our podcasts are better if you play tournaments and if you like win them and go deep in them. So, uh, right. I just need to win, man. Then we'll, we'll like boom our viewership. I mean, it's amazing. Look, I, I also, I also told you my other piece of advice you haven't followed yet, which is every time you play poker, I don't know why you don't wear your bracelet. I mean, the only one reason I want to win a bracelet is, <laughs> is I don't want the money. The money is like meh. It'd be kind of okay to have like six figure, seven figure. I just really want the bracelet. So every time I go play poker, I can act really serious and just have it like dangling. Uh, okay. Well, once you're wealthy, just uh, why don't you go meh and give me six or seven figures. Oh, and I'll give you my no, bracelet. We're definitely huh? going to go. play for your bracelet someday. We're going to like – we're gonna have a little like live stream where you and I like I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put up an immense amount of things. Um, like by that time, I like. Time I come to LA, I'm gonna bring my bracelet and let you play it at like. I, an I think it's the best. Is like, like you gotta have the bracelet, and then I've told Chase he needs to have some like gear of like his own face winning it. Like there's this bracelet picture that he has, like of him holding a bracelet, <laughs> like, of like a t-shirt, and my wife and like bracelet. one of his other friends. I definitely think he needs oh a picture gosh. of himself winning his bracelet on some like hoodie, um, some on like an old Ed Hardy hoodie, but just like a patch of him over the top of it with uh with, with the bracelet. <laughs> but you need to be su- super serious that day. You need to be like young, like headphones, like sunglasses, like super serious professional poker player guy, and just see if anyone takes you seriously or just starts laughing. Oh man. <laughs> And if anyone asks you, like, oh, did you win a bracelet? You just give, like, short, uh, try yeah, answer. See? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm all about uh-huh. your image management. That's why you keep me around. This is this is perfect. I mean, no, I'm <laughs> – <laughs> then, then once I leave, they're going to look at each other and be like, I knew it once I saw his beard <laughs> as a dick. <laughs> I mean, well, you got to try it one time. Like, I will pay for the outfit. But you got to wear, like, some, like – you know those new – see, I keep up with fashion because I'm just weird like that. But like uh, they have like the rhinestone and oh the studded shoes for men in like high fashion. Um, you'll have to get like a knockoff version of those off of like Santee Alley in uh, Los Angeles, which is like our fashion district area where they have like knockoff stuff. And you'll just – I know exactly what I'm going to do. Like we'll just – you'll have to allow me to have my day. Um, you'll have to lose some bet. 
Well, of course I'll allow you because I, I, I definitely, I, I'm very, I'm definitely known as very fashionable <laughs> in poker circles. Um, I've, I've never heard that. Yeah, of you, no, that's, but, that's okay, it. That's all I've got. Like I drop the mic, walk away. Great. I guess so. The bracelet will just, yeah, I mean, pretty much that's, I told you that's all the reason I want to win a bracelet is just. Okay. Okay. So if this, if this podcast episode gets 5,000 listens in the first 24 hours, you can have my bracelet what? for the rest of the year. That's, for the oh, Wait, why did you put the disclaimer for the rest of the year? No, in all the first of- 24 hours. Cause bro, I'm like, I'm a little scared. Someone's going to like some, Someone's gonna go viral with like a tweet about it, and it's gonna get like twenty thousand. I'm like, uh, I don't no, want to actually lose it, my no, bracelet. You lose your bracelet easily. We're negotiating this now. We got a couple minutes left. It's five years, um, and then on top of it, uh, well, no, let's do like two years because five years. There's definitely a risk of me losing it, legitimately, like losing it. Um, two years, I probably <laughs> one year per done. Lock for five thousand listens. It, okay, that's fine. I was okay. gonna say I'll play you for it in a game of Chinese. Uh, I'm so comfortable. We've never gotten more than like 900 listens in the first week. I'm, right. I'm already in the clear. If I'm people listen to the end of our podcasts, you guys heard it here. Get get on it. Just like all of you internet nerds and people that are tech savvy, somehow like all three of you just <laughs> like yeah, search engine optimization. Just, just create, someone spam, like, create fake accounts uh, and just like raise the counter up to whatever it needs to be to screw chase. Bill me at and bill me at andrew.bradshaw at hotmail.com. It's gonna be like Russian bots. We're gonna have eighty thousand listeners. That's awesome. Uh, great. All right. Well, uh next episode we're gonna go over commerce stuff. Yep, we're gonna talk Some about Phil stories. It's awesome. Uh, um all right. Yeah. Until then, do not share this episode. With share it with no. Do, do not definitely share within the first twenty four hours. If you're listening to it now, you probably got like three hours left. <laughs> She's going to release it at some weird wanky hour, probably with daylight savings times coming up or whatever, because it's it's March. Um, but yeah, don't let you. Know. <laughs> I'll give it. A, I'll give it a week. You got. Oh, you're the, oh my gosh! Lessons. Lock it in. You said twenty four hours. I said to begin with. Who's, yeah. who's, who's listening? Uh, Who's listening? Whatever. You know, I'm, you're fashionable. I'm quite fashionable. All right. Uh, yeah. Fashionably long. Right. Let's, Everyone, let's peace it's out good here. to be back. Um, thank you for listening and peace out. My gosh. I mean, how did you know I was going to wear it around my ball sack and take a picture? And like, I mean, we might have to get a thousand listeners just for you. I wish this was something where like it was like a title belt where every year you had to like defend it or you had to give it to someone else. Like what they do with like uh, Miss America where she's really sad. Like the the beauty pageant girl is like really she doesn't really want to give up the crown, but she has to give up the crown. Like that's how I want it to be for you and me.